Dear Lord, I praise you so much for this day. I thank you that it's not boiling hot and that we have a nice cool breeze and cloud coverage. Lord, there's just so much to be thankful for. I love how you show us things in nature that remind us that you care about us. And right now you're keeping us cool at camp meeting, so we appreciate that. And we love you. And we just surrender this time to you. Open up our hearts and minds to what you want us to take away in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to start with a quote from the book Education, page 13. Our ideas of education take too narrow and too lower range. There is a need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study, which you'll see as you go along why I'm highlighting that. It's just not a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. It's the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Page 13, paragraph 1. All right. So here we go. The nitty-gritty of how to teach. Uh, Joseph Cornell is the one who came up with this. This is, uh, can I have one? I didn't keep one for myself. Thank you. This is a flow learning chart. And you'll want to, when you're thinking how to develop outdoor education, you'll want to keep it along this train of thought. And it may look overwhelming to those of you who are not teachers, but I think you'll find that things and outdoors just naturally fit this progression and are pretty easy and natural to include. Um, so I got this from Joseph Cornell. Uh, this is Sharing Nature Sharing Nature with Children, Part 2. I wouldn't suggest this one. I don't like this one as much as I like Sharing Nature with Children, the 20th Anniversary Edition. That one is so full of really cool ideas. So it's the 20th Anniversary Edition, Sharing Nature with Children. So Sharing Nature with Children, Joseph Cornell, um, the 20th anniversary edition, and you can get them for a penny, but then shipping and handling. <laughs> always, you're always like, yes, a penny, and then it's like plus $4, and so the book all of a sudden becomes $4.01. <laughs> Joseph Cornell, Sharing Nature with Children, the 20th anniversary edition, and that is just, it just has really awesome ideas in it. I ordered it, but in... It didn't come when I needed it. And remember that pile of books that disappeared? That was one of them. I really don't know if I lent them out. I tend to do that. And I just don't know who I lent them to or where it went. All right. So let's go over the flow learning chart. Stage one, you'll want to awaken enthusiasm. Do you think that's going to be hard to do outdoors? No. no. Bills on children's love of play creates an atmosphere of enthusiasm. A dynamic beginning gets everyone saying yes. Um, do you think that you can get everyone to say yes with handwriting? You didn't get one. All right. So um, develops full alertness, overcomes passivity. How many times when you're like, all right, let's pull up that science book and bring it up to the, the desk and let's talk about it, what do they do? Aww. Or let's pull out that social book. Aww. We want to avoid that. And you'll find that outdoor education pretty easily does that. Uh, gets attention, creates involvement. Um, believe it or not, one of the biggest fears with outdoor education is I'll lose classroom management. I'll lose control of the kids. As soon as I take them outdoors, I won't have any control anymore. 
you'll find that if you set your stage right, they'll be engaged and ready to follow whatever you have to teach them because they're excited. You have their attention. It's like a mystery. Um, so I'll show you in a minute. Group creates good group dynamics, provides direction, instruction, and prepares for later, more sensitive activities. So that's the first thing you do when you want to start your outdoor ed lesson. You want to think, okay, how can I awaken enthusiasm? Simply saying we're going to go outside usually awakens enthusiasm quite quickly. <laughs> All right, the next thing you want to do is focus that attention because often outside they're like, play, ball, run. You know, like my little example of Tammy, oh, this is what we're doing, you know. It's okay, I didn't awaken enthusiasm exactly right. It was my first time doing that with that class. Um, but then after I awaken that enthusiasm, I want to be able to make sure that I can focus my attention. So that increases attention span. Um, like I said, having a five-year-old sit completely quiet for five minutes, I think is pretty cool. Deepens awareness by focusing attention, positively channels enthusiasm, develops observational skills, calms the mind, develops receptivity, receptivity for more sensitive nature experiences. Stage three is direct experience. We learn by doing, right? So if I teach them about plants, that's great, but if they're touching the plants, if they're picking the plants, if they're outside identifying, they're having direct experience with it. People learn best by personal discovery. Gives direct experiential intuitive understanding. Fosters wonder, empathy, and love develops personal commitment to ecological ideas. And the last one, stage four, is shares inspiration. And you'll see as this week goes on that it's really, really easy to relate things back to God when you're outdoors and nature. Everything in nature can teach you something about God. It is awesome. Uh, at Camp Asabo, I've been running the outdoor education program for fifth and sixth graders. And in my free time, I've been writing an app for Camp Asable. So how many of you ha um, have seen the Autobahn apps? They're full of trees and flowers and birds. Well, Dr. Atkinson said, I've taken thousands of pictures. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a Camp Asable app? I was like, yeah, that would be cool. OK, here we go. So I have written little blips about each piece of nature that you'll come across at Camp Asable. I'm at about 400 right now. I'm not done. We haven't even touched the insects. And I said, maybe we'll leave that for somebody else. <laughs> um, but I've done over 200 birds. Uh, we only have 16 kinds of trees at camp. So I'm a tree expert. Just don't ask me to leave campus Apple grounds. <laughs> then I'm not anymore. <laughs> uh, we have, let's see, what else? All the mammals, uh, the reptiles, amphibians, some mushrooms, some shrubbery. Um, and some ferns, yeah, I do have some ferns written up. I have not touched flowers. I'm running away from flowers. <laughs> so that is our goal. And in this app, when you go through, I want to have an um, object lesson for each piece of nature. And I've done a couple so far. Not because it's difficult, but because it takes time. It takes probably an hour of cross-references, which I'll show you this on Friday. It's so exciting. It's totally enhanced my spiritual life times 10. I love studying the Bible this way. And so I'll study the life of a beaver. Or let, let, let's do the coyote, okay? A coyote um, runs 25 miles per hour. 
on average. I might get not this exactly right, because I'm learning myself. If he is sprinting, he runs 35 miles per hour. But on an average, he's just he can run at 25 miles per hour. That's incredible. And he can leap. See, man, I should have written this. Down. I think he can leap eight feet, but I could be wrong. But he's incredible. The little coyote is incredible. And what is he doing? He's pursuing his, his prey. All right, can you think of any Bible verses that correlates with that? Peter. Okay. Okay, very good. Can you have any other ones? Saul and David. Yeah, yeah, Saul's pursuing David. Okay, that's in the negative um, context, which is okay, which is okay, because that's the thing about nature is it's going to teach us about the devil, and it's also because we see the marks of sin everywhere, right? So some things in nature are going to teach us that there's a devil, which is fine because we want to, great controversy is is what's going on. So that's okay. Ah, the shepherd seeking the sheep. Sheep. Uh, you know, oh, well, that makes me go on something else. Um, really quick side note, I had an amazing dog, and he was a beautiful husky, and he was 50, 60 pounds, but he looked like he was 100. And people would literally turn around their cars and be like, what kind of dog do you have? And I would say, oh, he's a woolly husky. But I named him something to be my witnessing dog. I named him a Greek word called zeteo. And zeteo is a Greek word that means to seek after. Do you know how many awesome plant seeding conversations I had and harvest conversations? I could not take my dog for a walk anywhere without having a spiritual conversation with somebody. Because they'd be like, oh, your dog's so beautiful. And everyone asks, well, what's his name? Oh, because they want to say it. And as soon as you say zeteo, well, what is zeteo? How? Let me tell you. It's a Greek word often used in the Bible to mean to seek after. And I could talk about how it reminds me, just my dog loved me. Um, God seeks after you, just like my dog seeks after me. Or I could take it the other way, where I'd be like, I prayed so much to have a dog in my life. And I saw after this. And the Lord loves to give his children good gifts. And I'd have people say, I want a Zeteo in my life. Or they'd look at me funny and walk away, but you know you planted a seed, right? And so it's looking for those opportunities. And I promise you, when you start having these new glasses on, you will see them. Don't. <laughs> I lost my dog. It was a really tragic. He just disappeared. It took me a long time to get over it. So... <laughs> she's a friend of mine from church um, so you will find when you put these glasses on you will see that God wants to reveal himself to his children Satan's favorite lie is that he's a mystery that he can't be understood and I think our children are that's what they think I can't understand God God is abstract God doesn't make sense to me those words in the Bible doesn't make sense to me when you teach them in nature that it's tangible, that they can touch it, that they can experience it, all of a sudden they won't just see God in nature. They'll start to see God in others. They'll start to think of other ways they can apply it. But you're teaching them tools that they will learn to apply in other areas. Um, so that share inspiration is really easy and natural to do. Clarifies and strengthens personal experiences, builds on uplifted mood, introduces inspiring role models, gives peer reinforcement, creates group bonding, provides feedback for the leader, and leader can share inspiration with a receptive audience, and your children will be very receptive. One more thing I wanted to finish about that coyote. The verse that I used when I wrote the app was that we press on. Can anybody help me finish it? 
Uh-huh. So that coyote is being extremely persistent, right? And even though it is negative because he's about ready to kill something, we also should have that persistence in finding God and seeking after him. Um, so that's just one example, but you'll see there's many ways to do it. All right, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. It's just so easy to put Jesus in everything. But today I want to focus on math and science, but you'll see that um, you'll be able to to make spiritual connections quite quickly. So take a stack. You can take your stack and go that way. Hopefully I have enough. Um, for those of you who are new and walked in, there's a paper going around that you can write your name and your email address if you haven't already. Um, to get any emails of PowerPoint, the PowerPoint I made yesterday and of the information today. Because I'm all about engagement, and I don't want to lose attention of my crowd, I'm going to start right away with one of the lessons. So we'll go back to the packet. But what we're going to do is, um, you know, I'm not going to have, don't look at the packet yet. <laughs> okay. So what I have done is my littlest one, the little girl that's staying with me, I said, let's go for a treasure hunt. And I said, can you go find 10 things for me out in nature? I don't care what you find, just 10 things. And you should have seen her. She was so excited to go get me 10 things. So these are 10 things that Miss Sabrina chose. I am going to put them on the table. And I am going to uncover it. And I, don't, I know that all of you can't see very well. But uh, I would give them, it says in the packet, 25 seconds. I think I will give you, you guys are smart. Um, I'll give you 30 seconds. So you have 30 seconds to examine and try to memorize as many objects as you can. And then I'll tell you what you're, you're supposed to do if we were going to do this. Okay? So. Ta-da. All right. How many of you noticed my bag on the counter? Well, it probably, it would have been more exciting if I had a towel on the counter. All right, what stage right away did I set? If I said, oh, there's something under my bag that I want to show you. Naturally, what, did it, what stage were you in? Your curiosity, you were in number one, right? You were ready to go on this adventure of what was under the bag. It wasn't that hard. And then I took it off, and I told you you had to study it. What, what stage did you go in right away? You were focused. It wasn't even, I didn't even have to ask you to be quiet like I would if I was reading a science textbook. I, wouldn't, I didn't have to ask you all to be quiet. You went right away to focus attention. So you can go through these steps really easily. You might find out that some of your activities just stay in one of the stages, and that's okay too. But you will find that they pretty much naturally go through the four stages. All right, now time for the direct experience. If I had more time, um, and today I'm not going to send you out in nature, my Professors would kill me if they found out that I didn't take you guys outside. I should be opening all the windows. Um, sh don't tell him. So, um, but tomorrow, be prepared. You're going outside, okay? But today, I'm not going to let you. Oh, no. Well, it's part of the adventure. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to think of a creative way to do this. <laughs> because tomorrow, definitely, we'll see what, how tomorrow works out. All right, but if I was going to have my students do this, what I would do now is you have five minutes to go gather as many of these objects as I showed you. Okay, you would have to go and gather them. Uh, and then you'd bring them back. 
and we would see how many you got. But the way that I would do it is I would take one out of a bag, and this is where you need to open up your mind and think about how you can make lesson plans and how you can apply this to different things. I could pick 10 specific objects that cover one subject area. So I could pick 10 that covers different pine trees, right? Or 10 that covers 10 flowers. Or if I was trying to teach um, textures, I might pick 10 different kinds of textures, right? Soft and hard. It's, are you following me, the teacher's mind? I might be jumping ahead because it's just the way we teachers have to think sometimes. But I would, I would pick 10 specific. I might just not do 10 natural things, but 10 that I was hoping to get a lesson across. So if I was going to start with tree identification, this might be my opening lesson to start with a tree unit, right? Um, also, what does this create opportunities to do? Let's, let's get bigger. So I just introduced, let's say I picked 10 trees. I'm going to start a tree unit. What else could I be taking advantage of at that moment to teach? Categories? Life cycles? What about poisonous plants? Poison ivy, poison oak. So now we're going into, remember how I said outdoor education taught at the beginning of the page outdoor survival skills? It was pretty easy just to put that in there, right? Um, anything else that you think I could just, what I could make from trees? Okay, yeah, exactly. I could teach the different kinds of trees and say, um, cherry is a, is a really slow burning firewood, and all of a sudden I can teach about that. Um, I could do 10 different kinds of barks in here too, right? What about, let's see here. Well, let's just skip. We might come back to that. Let's go to the first page of math and science, that handout that I gave you. Um, the, top, the quote that I read to you at the beginning of class is at the top. And then we'll skip down. The word education comes from the Greek for to draw out or to bring forth. When students can experience for themselves the knowledge we're trying to impart, their lessons become truly meaningful and are eagerly absorbed. Direct experience is as important in the classroom as it is outdoors. So don't rush to the library for a book. Let your young scientist learn to see and record the information firsthand. Make a list or chart to note down the same observations for each different type of bird. And this way, your child will learn to rely on firsthand observations and knowledge building. So one of the things that you could start easily at home is putting up a, a bird feeder. And you could teach them all about graphing. And graphing is in what section? Math, right? So you could, you could use a whiteboard. You could use one of those big white pieces of papers. You could use a poster board. You could have little, their own little journals. And you're just recording what kind of bird you see at different times of day. Morning, afternoon, evening. Do they come to the feeder in groups? Do they come to the feeder as solo birds? Do you see how many possibilities there are once you start thinking? It just keeps growing and growing, all the different possibilities. Um, if you're really big into birding, eBird.org. Have you guys been on eBird.org? I haven't really explored the website too much because just recently I've tried to get into birding. <laughs> they know that I'm not an expert, <laughs> but I went from 5 to 25 or so, so I'm, I'm growing. But eBird.org is a really cool website to observe, you guys could probably explain a little better than I could, to write down and record where you have seen certain birds, right? So you could say, I found a bluebird here. Where else could I find 
bluebirds. And you can also record. So you could be a scientist recording data on that website. So look at, we spotted the first, what of the spring? First pine warbler of the spring. And then you write that on the website. So ebird.org is a pretty way to get your kids connected with birding and to feel like they're contributing scientists. Another idea is why not help your child plant several rows of bean in the garden using different compost and fertilizers? Or watch and compare three different types of trees budding. The goal is to encourage your youngster to observe, question, and answer. So um, I told you the story about how uh, when I came out of the cafeteria with those t my two little girls, there was this leaf just spinning. What do you think happened this morning when we came out of the cafeteria? <laughs> Miss Boothby, where's the leaf? And then when I was taking Sabrina down the road, she was just asking me questions. She couldn't help but ask me questions. Well, is this poisonous? What's this? Miss Boothby, look, that's, that's um, milkweed. Oh, no, it's bird poop. Never mind. You know, she was just naturally making observations, asking questions. If I read a chapter in a science book, are they going to ask questions? We try to, we try to encourage it. We try to teach them, right? Isn't that the whole kind of point of teaching is to, is to help them to develop questions to learn how to ask good questions. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're trying, so what do you think? They just come up with the open and end questions. Like it's not out of the box thinking questions at all because the material's right there. They don't know how to, the sentence says that. I don't know how to think anything but those couple of sentences. But when I'm outdoors, I can't help but be like, oh, I could ask about this and I could ask about this and I could ask about this. And next thing I know, she's just observing this and she's observing that. She just can't help it because she's outdoors. Um, the outdoors is the perfect classroom to facilitate deep and independent thinking. The outdoors is huge with very few limitations and forced organization. It doesn't give prescripted answers. There is never a time that you can say, I know everything there is to know about any plant, animal, or environment. Students can walk around and explore and ask questions that may be only answerable when we get to heaven. The outdoors is a playground for the mind. Another little side point, let your kids get dirty. A growing number of researchers believe that good old-fashioned dirt play exposures exposes children to a myriad of bacteria, viruses, and microbes that strengthen their immune system. So dedicate a small part of your yard as a digging station. No yard? No problem. Set aside a large container or flower box just for digging in the dirt. So a question that I was asked yesterday is, does it have to be a huge area? No, it doesn't have to be huge. It just needs to be something that they could ask questions about. So we literally just walked partway down this gravel road and there was that ditch. And the ditch has all sorts of things in it. Um, use a green space. Obviously it can't be just a manicured lawn, though that can work too because if they look closely by a one foot by one foot square, then they could find all sorts of things in that little. But you're not going to be able to keep their attention forever just using that one foot by one foot. So try to find a natural, anything natural. Weeds, all of a sudden, are great, <laughs> okay? And then down at the bottom, I had put this on the slide, and I just, I, I was thinking about it last night, and I said, you know, it's not three domains, it's four domains. Self, others, natural world, and of course, the creator. So these, this list is things you want to keep in mind of things that you want to teach as you are developing outdoor education curriculum. All right, time for just some good old-fashioned practical ideas. Let's start with, hmm, one of my favorites. So uh, we're going to skip around on in that pad of things, so don't get too attached to it. 
My favorite one is this one by far. This one is leaf multiplication. So what you can do is you go out, outdoors and you find different kinds of leaves. And of course, at the convenience of, of life, I couldn't find any pine trees. <laughs> but pine needles, a uh, red pine grows in clusters of two, a jack pine grows in clusters of two, uh, and that's what I was really hoping for, is finding a cluster of two. And so I couldn't find a cluster of two, but this is how many in my cluster? Three, okay? And naturally, I couldn't find four. This is how many in my cluster? Five, okay? And then I'm just going to do it for teaching. We're gonna make this four, okay? So what I could do is I could have them go out or I could go out and gather all sorts of different plants that have different clusters. Now all of a sudden I can teach counting by threes. Three, six, nine, and 12. All right, one thing that they teach you is that children need to make pictures in their head of what they, of words and of numbers. If they don't have a picture in, of their head what one is, then they're not gonna really be able to correlate it in their brain. They need to be able to have the pathways going. And so, um, for example, think of dominoes. Do we have to count the dots on a domino? No, we, we have a picture right away. When it's like this, it's three. When it's the one, 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 and one in the middle, we know right away it's five. Did you have to count? I know it's kind of difficult because it's wilting, but did you have to count or could you just see right away that that was five? Um, because you know your pictures, right? We kind of know that it's three and two. We just automatically think that in our heads as adults, but children need to develop that pattern way of thinking, right? So if I have these all lined up right away, they have a mental picture of what the number three is, right? And now this is when your mind can just explode with the possibilities. So I could teach them, if I put these out like so, I could say three times three is how many? Nine, okay? So then I would want to gather another leaf that makes nine. You could make um, subtraction problems. So I could take a five, one, and then I could take a one, a picture, so a, a cluster of five and a cluster of four, and then just take a single leaf, right? So I could make entire math, problems using leaves. Or I could make one of those giant um, multiplication tables, you know those huge multiplication tables? But I could use leaves, so I could um, gather all ones of just one leaf. So I could gather a bunch of maple leaves, and here's counting by ones. Then I find clusters of pine needles, and count two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, and then I could use my clovers and make three, and so I'd have a giant um, piece of area on my floor using leaves to count. Does that make sense? I was gonna try to do it, but then I was like, whew, this is gonna take me a long time. <laughs> so I started this morning and then I said, this isn't gonna work. Also, with this lesson, I can now teach about alternating and I could teach about um, opposite. 
So when I classify leads, they're either alternating or they're opposite. I could teach about even and odd. I don't know if any of you know the, the new go math, but they're always talking about like putting a buddy together. So these have buddies, these have buddies, these have buddies. So now I know that my number is even. They, I don't know if any of you teach go math, but they have the little circles and they want each of the circles to have a circle to go with the circle. And if a circle goes with the circle, then it's even. If there's a circle by himself, then he's odd. And so right away, I could have the children look at this and be like, okay, is this going to be an even number or an odd number? So you're just trying to create pictures in their head. If I can create a picture with a number, they're going to be able to pick up on math a lot faster. Um, and then, you know, the sky's the limit. They could come up with their own multiplication tables. If I have a huge collection of leaves, you could say add these together, you know, add 6 plus 9, and that makes 15. If you're showing them with the leaves, the possibilities are endless. Does that make sense? Okay. Anybody have anything they were thinking that they could use with it? Okay. We're going to have to keep thinking. All right. So <laughs> go to the math page. A couple of other quick ideas is simply do your math outside using sidewalk chalk. Just go outside, use regular chalk or sidewalk chalk, and have them write their, their math problems on the sidewalk. Uh, go for a shaped treasure hunt. Teach them about their shapes, and then walk around outside asking them to find all the different shapes. You know, we teach them their shapes in their, in their books, but in real life, is it always that perfect blue triangle? No. Um, right now in this room, you could even do a, a shape treasure hunt, but that's not anywhere as fun as going outside and looking for different shapes. You could use, even use building out, buildings outside. Stare at, a, stare at your house. Go outside your house and just be like, all right, guys, how many shapes do we see on our house? Um, another thing that you can do um, that's really important. What? Sorry. Naming all the different shapes. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're not just teaching triangle, square, circle, but you're, you're teaching more advanced shapes too, right? Exactly. Regular and irregular shapes because it's just natural in nature to have regular and irregular. Um, another thing that's important to teach for little ones especially is patterns. And we often use different colored blocks to teach patterns, right? Well, in nature, how much fun would it be for them to, to gather leaves and, and sticks and, and rocks and pebbles and make a pattern around your playground or around a circle? And all of a sudden, you're teaching them about patterns. And life, especially math, is patterns. If they can learn at an early age about patterns, Patterns all through math because it's all about following those equations and looking for those patterns. So patterns are essential builders. So if you can teach them how to identify patterns right away, even when they're walking, they'll be like, oh, look it, that tree's dark, that one's light. You'll find them just naturally looking for patterns. And if they can pick up on that, you'll find that math will come much easier for them in later years. Uh, another thing that you could do is study a tree. Um, pick a tree and watch how it changes over the four seasons. Start a little tree journal and have you draw pictures, you could um, paint, you could um, color. And then have you guys ever measured a tree, how tall it is? Have you guys ever gone outside and done that? Okay, that website, it's kind of a complex thing. I would take you guys out to do it, but it would seriously take probably the whole class period to teach you how to measure a tree. But if you go to that, or if you just Google your own how to measure a tree, this is for your upper graders, for sure. Even up to high school, 
I've done this with high school students before, is to measure how tall a tree is. And you use shadows, you're using different angles, you're using a squared plus b squared equals c squared, you're using all the advanced formulas, and you can introduce a very complex topic, but you're doing it outside, measuring the height of a tree. Not only that, but you could measure the height of a flagpole. Once you've learned the, um, the formula, you can apply it on so many different things, right? So definitely check out that um, Measure the Height of a Tree. That website, the reason why I picked it is because they have pictures, and it's just the coolest. I know it's wiki, wiki, whatever, but they honestly do a really good job of explaining how to measure the height of a tree. Another idea, and I put this under math, but it's science, I'm sorry, is go for a micro hike. So remember in nature, we're trying to teach them to pause, to linger, to look closer, right? Because in life, everything, we live in a society that's instant. I want it now, and I want it right away. And so a micro hike, what you would do is you'd give them a magnifying glass. And this doesn't matter how far you go. For this one, you don't want to go very far. You just want to, you want to maybe pick, you can walk from here to that tree. You want to pick a very small area that they can walk in, give them a magnifying glass, and then challenge them to use their five senses and say, okay, what are all the things you can observe? And this can be all different ages. Anybody can try going for a micro hike because you're just trying to teach them to look closer and look deeper and take time to observe. And um, I'll go into another idea later about a way to do that. Another thing um, is getting sticks. And what you can do is you can get small sticks, large sticks, give them a certain number of sticks and have them make a big picture with, that, with those sticks. Uh, maybe 12 sticks, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. This is what this activity suggested is 12 large and 12 small. But it doesn't matter. The challenge is to make a shape or picture that contains the most shapes possible in that picture. So it could be a giant rocket, but inside my rocket I have triangles and rectangles and squares. Um, it could be a train, but inside that I have circles and I have diamonds or whatever. And so that's for younger children, right? They'll use that, but let's put it to older children. Now after they've done that, you give them rulers and you say measure the parameter. Measure the surface area. Can you do the volume? Can you, um, and you can keep thinking all the possibilities, because we use geometry in multiple different grade levels, correct? Um, another fun idea is math vocabulary. I think this one could also be used in uh, different age groups, but you have them go on different treasure hunts. But instead of using words that they already know, use more advanced vocabulary. So I want you to go find me an odd number of leaves. I want you to go find me an even number of leaves. I want you to find me double of, and you give them a number. I want you to find me double of four. What? You know, help them to then use those bigger vocab words. Uh, something that shows mirror symmetry. Uh, I want half of a number. I want some, you to find me something bigger and you hold up an object. I want you to find me something bigger than this. You're just trying to help them to develop abstract ways of thinking, bigger ways of thinking. Um, you could also uh, use that in vocabulary words with language arts, right? Using different bigger words and having them to go for a word search for that. Another really fun thing is a human ruler. <laughs> we had to do this one in school, and this one was a lot of fun. So first you take a ruler, 
and you help them to measure their body parts to, to become a human ruler. So from the tip of their finger to what point is approximately a foot. You want them to be able to use their body to be able to measure things. So that way, if I said, can you go measure the sandbox for me using your arm, they know about this to this is, a, is one foot. So then you see them going one, two, three. Well, that sandbox is three feet by three feet or whatever. Or you could have them measure the distance of their steps. You have them set a pace. Well, for little ones, that's really good because then they have to walk a certain pace, right? And they have to keep it steady. So you'd have them measure, okay, from when you take a step to here to here, that's about a foot. And then you start help, helping them to develop ways of being like, okay, when I walk from this point to that point, it's about 50 feet. If I look at a yard, I can say that yard is how many feet? Because I've learned to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I've learned to, sorry, nope. I've learned to estimate, right? Estimate. When you look and you try to observe, how many of us get asked, well, how big about is that? And we're like, oh, I have no idea. But if they start walking and they start figuring it, don't you think they're going to be able to be one of those people that can just be like, oh, well, I think that lawn space that we can play in is about 100 feet across because they've, start, they've actually walked it. They've had direct experience with what 100 feet feels like. Also, their height would be another awesome one. So measure their height and then say, okay, now how tall do you think that building is? If you're three feet, go stand next to that building and how tall do you think that building is? You're having them directly experience things, and that's the whole point of outdoor education is directly experiencing things. All right. So there's some math ideas. Let's switch to science. So science, um, I talked a little bit about sit spots. Um, you'll see science and you'll see sit spots. So I would suggest, um, I did this with my students and I made it way too big. I allowed them to have way too big of an area. <laughs> but they got super excited, but next thing I knew they were turning their little sit spots into forts and <laughs> all sorts of things, and that's not really the point that I wanted them to get. <laughs> So have them rope off, and I really wouldn't go bigger than two feet by two feet. You could go smaller. Um, depends on the area you're roping off. And have the students just go and sit in that sit spot for once a week. Um, and these journals, I found them at Target. I don't know where else you can find them, but for little ones, they're really awesome. They have blank and then nice lines that they can write in. For older ones, I would just get blank, blank, complete blank sketchbooks, those blank sketch pads. Um, just get little books. You could even make your own, because I know the blank sketchbooks can be a little bit expensive sometimes. Um, but you could even just staple your own packet together um, and make it that way. So I'd have them sit in there and record, ask questions, make reflections, uh, make charts of what they see. Just help them to become little scientists in their sit spots. Um, so let's see here, sound maps. Some, a lot of these are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, let's do tree tag is really fun. Basically, you're playing tag, but you want to teach them different kinds of trees. And then the safe spot is that tree. So everyone, you're safe if you're at a red pine. You're safe if you're at a white pine. You're safe if you're at a maple tree. You're safe if you're touching a cherry tree. And it's a way of playing an interactive game, but you're also teaching a point on the way, too. 
Um, another fun one is what well, I talked about duplication. Bugs under a board. All right. Um, let's see here. Everybody needs a home is fun on the back. Uh, first, you'd want to take students out to look for animal homes and then ask students to draw a floor plan of where they live or where a person they know lives. A floor plan would include the things the students need in their home, a place to cook and keep food, a place to sleep, and a source of water. And then once the drawings are finished, have a discussion with the students about what they drew. Ask the students to point out the things they need to live and that they included in their drawings. Ask the students how their homes are similar to animals' homes. If a human home has several stories, it can be compared to a forest with an attic, which is the canopy. The first and second floors are the sub-canopy, and the basement is the ground. Uh, so that can be a fun way to teach about the forest and a way to start a forest unit. Um, it also can be a way to get um, maybe inspire an architect in their future, right? And then they're going out and they're, they're looking at different animals' homes and they're realizing that they can be more complex than they originally thought that they were going to be. Um, before we switch gears, this is a really fun one that I think is awesome. What you're going to do is you're going to get a bunch of socks. So you could go to Goodwill or maybe you have some old socks and you're going to put it over your shoe and then you're going to have them walk wherever they want to walk, except for you try to gear it towards a grassy place or a place that you know has lots of seeds. And just have them walk all over and then come back and take their socks off and see what all sorts of things are on there. And then you can go into a whole seed unit. You can talk about how seeds are spread. You can talk about um, how seeds travel. And you can then plant your seeds if you can grow what you stepped in. So that's super fun. Um, so a lot of my ideas come from just doing it. Uh, the more you just start to think, look at your lessons and say, okay, how can I take this outside? You'll just develop a way of thinking it. Um, another one I use is Project Wet. Um, this one is pretty intimidating, so I wouldn't suggest every person gets this book because <laughs> there's a lot of ideas in here. This is for upper graders primarily too. Um, Project Wild is more user-friendly, I feel like. Project Wet is pretty awesome. Uh, it's more using like ponds and water systems, and Project Wild is like everything outdoors. And what they have is a really awesome chart in the back of the book, a topical index, and they have it all organized. So H means high school, grades nine through 12, M means middle grades, and then the E means like elementary. And it tells you which grade level it's good for and then what topics. So do you want to study food chains, interdependence, um, ocean marine, urban sustainability, biodiversity, land use, um, responsible action, all sorts of different things. And then they have great lesson plans in here with really clear objectives. Um, and I just looked it up online and I think it's like $8. Uh, Project Wild is by Project Wild. Um, Project Wild is by Project Wild National Office. <laughs> it's a huge association. Um, yeah, if you just look up Project Wild, there's lots of different editions. 
I only have experience with this edition because it was given to me as a gift. So I don't know if the other editions are good or bad or if this one's better or best. I don't know. Um, the one with the deer on the front. <laughs> I just looked it up this morning and there was just all these different ones. It doesn't actually say, I'm not trying to be not helpful with your questions. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to ask more questions. Problem solved. <laughs> all right. Um, and the... You can also Google ideas. I have found that I can find some ideas on Google, but I just keep coming across the same 10. Or they'll be like, just take your kid outside and play ball with them. And I'm like, no, I want deeper. So you really, you can't just Google math ideas. You need to be more specific. So think like, I want to teach um, story problems using nature. You're gonna have to do more specific Google searches. And even that, I haven't really necessarily found a ton. Um, it's a new thing out there, and so there's not a ton of ideas yet. But I want you guys to try it, because in learning and doing is how we learn. So I was trying to wrestle, yes? I was just wondering if you had talked to any of these people at the outbreaks that we've been in training about no, I never made it to the Outdoor Discovery Place in Holland. I went to nature centers. I'm sure you guys have learned that your local nature centers have really awesome programs. Um, and they're really inexpensive. They're usually like $2.50 per child. So local nature centers, I don't know if every city has them, but I know Holland has a really good one. Kalamazoo has a good one. Midland has a really good one. All right, one of the projects I had to do in school what in my master's program was read the book education and then i had to use a concept taught in education but teach it outdoors so you're going to see some really basic ideas and i hope this inspires if that this is the beginning of my work and if i can do it you can do it <laughs> okay so as you read through this hopefully you'll get your brains kicking of how you guys can do this too and um, then you're going to try it. I, I also was trying to decide if I should have you guys, if I should just assign things to you and you help me come up with an outdoor idea, but I think you guys all teach such a variety, and I don't know, you're not just all teachers either. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to think of a concept that you could do outdoors. So let's start with math. So everyone brainstorm a math concept. And how could you switch it to teach it outdoors? So just be thinking of a math concept. And what could you do to teach it outdoors? So while you're waiting, let's make groups. So turn your chairs, move around. Groups of four. Four. Get in groups of four. If you want, try to find somebody that teaches similar or is trying to aim to the age group you want to teach. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. Okay, clap once. Okay, thank you. Sorry. 
All right, Whew, it's a little more intimidating working with adults. <laughs> Whew, Lord, I'm trying. Okay, so this is all new for me. Um, okay, thank you. Um, math, how are you guys doing? Does, is math going to be too tricky since you haven't quite gotten into it? Are you guys ready to, to talk math? Okay, I'm going to give you three minutes to talk and then we're going to go around and share quickly because I find that when you start talking it, you start just going. Your ideas will come and then you'll listen and then that will inspire this idea and before you know it, you'll become an outdoor educator pro. So you can teach the class better than I can tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so let's start with math and then we'll switch to science. And I know science is like super easy because basically nature is science. <laughs> so okay, so math, you have three minutes. Go. Okay, I'll give you one more minute. Yeah, you'll see. Estimation. You do that for me too. I'm just trying to get them to learn to think that way. So just get your brains going in a way that you can learn to apply it. Yeah, and then we're each going to share one. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's bring it back in and let's share. So we're going to go around each group and I ask that you try to share it um, in a condensed way because we want to move on and try something else. But I'm hoping this exercise will really help you guys to start thinking as outdoor educators. I'm sorry that I'm not having you guys do more things. I know that would be really awesome for you to actually to experience it, but I just don't feel like you would get as many ideas if I just sent you out to try one or two. You'd see that it was super fun, but that was it. So I'm hoping that even though I just read through a ton of ideas today, it just got your brains thinking in a new way. Um, just to look at your things in your regular text textbook and say, okay, how can I take a regular concept that we've done all the time, but take it outdoors? All right? So what group wants to share their idea first? <laughs> Mrs. Huckabee? <laughs> Well, we were talking about different things, but one thing we were talking about planting tomatoes because we have that pretty grandchildren. And I could add language arts. They could write a story about their tomato plant. They could use, write about a worm that comes to visit the tomato plant. It's super easy all of a sudden to do all cross-curricular. You know, they talk about a big educational push right now is the thematic units. They want us to do a lot of thematic units. They say that if everything can be connected, our students are apt to take much more away. That's why I picked one spiritual theme and I just tried to highlight. I mean, my kiddos, the whole school heard choo, choo, choose Jesus all year long. But it, it was just, we pick one theme and we try to gather everything around. Well, if you could pick a nature theme per month. You know how we talked about like it's an intimidating, right? I know I don't, I know for me, I find it, oh, there's so many ideas. I'm just not being a very good teacher. I'm not, there's so many things I could do. But if I just made one thematic nature plan a month and I started there, it would be, it would be a huge astronomical start. So make that 12, right? We could all come up with 12 ideas and just to make everything keep going back to water. The first month is water cycle and just pick one and then it's not so intimidating. Okay, and then you can just connect everything back. Let's do our writing project about, we're talking about gardens this month or whatever. Okay, so try to make it not so intimidating to yourself. All right, what group wants to go next? Okay, and I have my little pad down here too. I'm, I'm stealing your ideas, just so you all know. <laughs> we talked about graphics and everything that we brought to the thing in the yard, finding that area of the yard was 
That's a really cool one to find out there, too. And then it is obtuse or acute. And then even if, if you look at that tree thing for your seventh grader, there's so many ways you could take that then with other math concepts. So definitely look it up. <laughs> Anybody? Oh. Um, this one thing she writes in her name, but she said that her children had a lot of fun looking up uh, the sizes of the different dinosaurs and then mapping them out in the yard to see how it would fit in the yard. And also, oh, that's if, cool. if, if you have cards or fruit trees, that can teach them their um, bushels, pecks, quartz, gallons, pints. And she does maple syrup, and so that teaches them their bombs and blades. Hey, that goes under outdoor. Remember, wait, let's not limit outdoor education. Let's go back to our list with the, at the beginning of math and science. What did it say? Where did it go? My papers. Develops out, um, problem solving. Remember, it encompasses outdoor education is too narrow, to, or not outdoor. Ideas of education take too narrow, too lower range. It's, yeah, let's think outside the box. That's outdoor education. All right, another group. My kids are young, so it's pretty simple, but they love dance. So they're talking about, um, since they're learning pretty well how to count that, they can learn how to count different groups of bands and kind of how to count a certain amount of something that is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and learning to de to decipher what is large and small is definitely a concept that is taught at a smaller age, but it's really important because it builds upon later in the years. So, very good. Another thing I was thinking with your aunt. I mean, oh, I know, counting. Little sidebar, the way I um, I taught counting in my little ones is because you're supposed to count almost every day. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I get tired of counting to 100. I would incorporate exercises into it. So we would do jumping jacks, and we'd do 100 of them. We would count by fives, and they would lift up their knees. We would count by tens and do push-ups. 10, 20, look, we just did 100 push-ups. <laughs> so, you know, we would count by twos. We'd count by, I taught K3, we'd count by threes, we'd count by fours. They could count by more advanced things because they're using their bodies. And we're outside, outdoor education. <laughs> All right, this group. Yeah, 
To scale, that's, yeah, no, that's really good. And then that can go along, I like, because you're taking then on this thing, there's a sound map. Um, you're taking that one almost to the next, to the next level. Or another idea on here too was, maybe I don't have it on here. Um, but I thought I did. It's basically draw a natural map. I guess I don't have it on this one. A natural map of all the natural things in your yard. So identifying the trees, but you could make it to scale if you used your compass. So I like how you took it up to the next grade level. That's good. Echoes. Whoa. Whew. That's advanced. I don't teach high school yet. <laughs> I don't even know if I would know how to do that. Really quick random side note. Did you know owls have one ear higher than the other? Because they can, like, we can hear left to right. They can hear how high or how low. That's just one year, guys. I didn't know any of this stuff. I barely got through biology. <laughs> so don't give up on yourselves. Don't be afraid that you don't know nature out there. It's OK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Learn with your kids. There's a waterfall on it. Yeah, we did. I'm. I completely forgot that idea. We did that with my masters, and this would be a great for your seventh grader. You can figure out if you figure out the rate of the stream. You can figure out how much water is flowing through there, and then you can figure out how much uh, volume of water is in that little creek. And then you can do a study of how much water you use on a daily basis as a person. Then you can figure out how much water your community uses and like how many days would that creek supply you with water. Um, if you just, I think you can almost Google creek study, water, water study. Um, I don't have the handouts that my teacher gave me. Um, but yeah, you can do really cool things with the water flowing. And then you're talking about rate and speed, and you're using all those new vocab words. <laughs> all right, I think, you, do you guys have something? Well, part of us, our youngest, is not really so well. It's a tragedy So I thought of it. We could have a story problem. It might take some of the from a plant in the garden, and say, you know, we have a semester of tree blossoms on it. Uh huh. And we go out uh, the next day and say, well, Okay, now there's only four plants that have three blossoms, and one has one, or then one plant gave, gave leaves, and you know, so you can tell the differences, and that will help in. No, very good. Addition and subtraction, making it a little bit more complex instead of just having one plant. Showing the differences between a group. And you're making it practical. Why don't our kids like school? What's the point? When am I ever going to use this? But if I'm taking them outdoors, they say, wait, I could be able, I could actually use this in my day-to-day -day life. All right, last group. One of the ones that I thought of was uh, 
Yeah, very awesome. Awesome. All right, well, we don't have a lot of time left. So what I want you to do in the short amount of time they have left, we're just going to take two minutes and see if you can take what you talked about and come up with a spiritual lesson. What can God teach us through the life cycle of a tomato plant? What can God teach us through water flowing? Can you think of a Bible verse? So you're only going to have two or three minutes to try to see if you can make a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. All right, I know that you're still talking, but we have about three minutes, so I'm just going to take a couple. And we have an eager hand over here. Go ahead, sir. Okay. He's going to say you're talking about planting plants and maybe think of um, terrible sower. Um, you have, say, you plant you know, five tomato plants or something, so you put it in good soil, and as they come up, you know, God's promised that when you see falls in the earth, it's going to produce fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 fold, some 100 fold, and so you see the difference of, yeah. you know, the fruit bearing. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else have one they wanted to share? Well, back to the verse, Peter, just the concept of gratitude and mm -hmm. praise and remembering, you know, our Creator. And as Christians, the practice that happens. Very good. Yeah, which leads me into another thing. Go ahead. Um, we thought about when we were doing geometry and measuring the we also teach us about how that's going on. Uh-huh. Anybody else have any more where they want to add? Very good. Is it hard to draw spiritual applications sometimes when you're reading your science or your social studies book? It's not something that naturally comes to your mind, but it kind of can't help but come to your mind when you're outdoors in nature. It really just, it just comes naturally. Uh, the last thing that I want to conclude with really quick, because there's just so many things, it's only five days, but songs are huge. And so think about some of those hymns that include nature and start singing some of those hymns that include nature, like all things bright and beautiful. This is my Father's world, eternal Father strong to save. Think of all those hymns and start singing those in your family worships too to point them to the fact that we serve a creator God and creation is so connected with God. My Bible first has the picture booklets that go with those hymns, so you can just turn the page, they see a picture, give a visual for the next. My Bible First. I don't know if you heard that, but My Bible First has pictures to go along with the hymns. All right. Tomorrow, I'm super excited. I have a guest speaker for you guys. Haha, <laughs> not me. <laughs> no. Um, so I taught in Holland, Michigan, and Melissa Harley taught grades three through five, and she was the one, was the first person that I ever met that had outdoor education, a master's in outdoor education, and she is a fantastic teacher. 
and she's gonna come up and help. We're gonna do tomorrow together. We're gonna do language arts, but she is an artist, and she's gonna do nature journaling with you. So bring in that language arts. Also, it's just super easy to find spiritual things with nature journaling. So I'm so excited. She's a little bit nervous because there's a lot of you guys, more than we thought would come. So be nice. But um, let's have prayer. <laughs> this is being recorded. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I praise you so much for your incredible creations. I thank you for your love. I thank you uh, for your creativity and that you gave each one of us individual personalities and creativity also. Help us to use that to draw our children, to draw ourselves um, into spending that time with you because you long to spend it with us. And Lord, uh, continue to bless our time at camping and um, help us to start applying the principles now that we're learning. In your name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.